Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. It's a new day in Baltimore, and for the Baltimore Orioles, Mike Elias introduced to the Orioles fan base in a press conference this morning. You're listening to the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco from inside the warehouse. Hello. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing well. It is a new day. It's a bright new day. It's a fun, exciting day. Um, a new era, a turn of the table. Let's see how this thing works out. It's pretty exciting if you're an Orioles fan. Definitely exciting. The Press conference was broadcast on Masson, also on the fan. I think a lot of people were tuning in. We were streaming it live on Masson All Access, our Facebook pages. Uh, a lot of great responses, uh, a lot of viewership, a lot of people tuning in. I think people are generally excited. If we want to hear what you have to think, uh, let us know in the comments and uh, in the replies on Twitter as well as to uh, what you think about this, uh, this hiring of Mike Elias. What were your first impressions of Mike Elias? tweeted us at Paul Mancano, at Bobby underscore Blanco. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Bobby, what were your first impressions of the new executive VP and general manager? The word that comes to mind, impressive. He obviously comes with a strong resume. We already we know what he did in Houston and mm-hmm. his history, and even in, back to St. Louis. Um, he's a part of that rebuild with the Astros, turned into a World Series championship two seasons ago. Um, he's just an impressive guy. The way he, I, I was impressed with the way he compose himself up there yeah. i mean he's 36 years old it's kind of cr- or not about, even yet not even <laughs> about to turn 36 yeah. so he's barely 10 years older than myself yep and he's now in charge of this massive task of rebuilding the orioles top to bottom um and putting together a competitive team so yeah impressive just the way he composed up there faced all the c- tough questions in terms of from everything in terms of you know how long is it going to take before you hire a manager to what are you going to do with chris davis yeah. I mean, he was up there facing everything didn't shy away from questions um, and, and and understands the uh, massive task that is being asked of him moving forward, and and I also like that he he referenced the long haul. He's like I I want to be here. Yeah. You know I'm I'm from a native from Northern Virginia. I grew up going to Orioles games at Camden Yards. Uh, I grew up an Orioles fan. I, I this is not a you know a hire, and this is what we talked about too, Paul. Like mm-hmm. this, this has to be the right guy. It can't yeah. be a guy that you're going to hire for the next five seasons. He needs to be 15, 20 years down the line. The build up, if you're going to do the rebuild, you got to do it right. And um, this guy looks like he's ready to do it. And I'm really impressed by Michael Elias uh, to start. Yeah, both Lou and John Angelos talked about that and talked about the process because we know we heard trust how, it, right? Trust that process about how long it was taking for them to find the right guy. But they made it clear when their introductory remarks that they were not looking for the fastest hire. They weren't looking for any shortcuts. They were looking for the right guy, and that's what they said at the beginning. Take a listen. You know, when you go out and interview, I mean, we just recently hired a COO for business operations, and and we've hired a lot of folks in those areas. And we go out, and you have limitless time, and you can really deliberate, and you can you take people from all different walks of life, and, and it's a it's 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 in baseball and sports generally it's a very different process because you're under the time constraints of the not the in-season calendar but the off-season calendar and you're under the time constraints of the permission process so you need to be mindful of that yet at the same time you're making a decision that you not not that you're going to live with but that you want to live with for the next decade let's say or longer 
I mean, we want to be sitting here talking with Mike about all the great things we've accomplished as an organization five and 10 and 15 and 20 years from now, and this isn't something that you do and then hope you do it again. So sure, pressure, but I think obligation is the way we looked at it. I love that idea of obligation over pressure. Basically, they had an obligation to the fan base to get that um, selection of the GM and the next guy who's going to oversee this rebuild right. And they didn't feel any outside pressure to get it done at any certain time period. They feel like there were enough candidates still out there. There are enough managerial candidates still out there that they weren't wasting anything. And they didn't, I think that's part of the reason they didn't make a move during the season is because they didn't want to feel any pressure to have to make a decision uh, as quickly as possible. They wanted to take their time with this thing. Right. And, and again, the importance of this hire, um, executive vice president and general manager. Yeah. Um, we talked about how for a long time we hadn't heard anything and that was a good and bad thing because mm-hmm. one, it's like, all right, you'd figured that some names would slip out. Yeah. And, but also, okay, they're taking their time with this. They understand the importance of this hire. Another thing I like to hear from the Angelos was, you know, their, their, their transparency they're looking to move forward. I mean, that's a big yeah. thing with the Orioles and the front office and the ownership group for, for many years now. Is like you know, They were kind of hush-hush and behind the scenes. Now you see both Angelo's sons come out in front, and they're, they're there. They're answering questions. Yeah. They were asked, is there going to be more transparency from here moving on? And they said, yes, you know, we're here. We grew up here. Yeah. You know, th- we're not going anywhere. Um, you know, this is a truly a new age from that standpoint, too. Not just the fact that we're getting a, a new face in the front office and, and starting a rebuild, but a new age in terms of how the ownership is approaching this, too, and, and being open to not just the media, but the fan base and the team. So I thought that was also impressive, too. Too, not just yeah. from Mike Elias, but also the, uh, the two Angelo sons. And the format of it spoke to that, too. The fact that it wasn't, they didn't call it a press conference. They called it an introduction. And Rockabaco mentioned in his piece the, the day before, I wonder what the differences are there. Well, there were some <laughs> key differences. They yeah. were sitting down in comfy chairs, uh, and they had a podium next to them. Uh, and it was very, I wouldn't say entirely relaxed. You can never be entirely relaxed in that kind of environment, but it was a little bit more laid back than a standard press conference. Ted talkish. Ted talkish. Yes, yeah, so it was more like here, where this is a conversation. Yeah. It's not the um, you know, I'm gonna introduce our new front office man and yeah. we're gonna read from this script that we wrote with the PR staff yeah, yeah. a half hour ago and and then that's it. No, it's like you said, very informal sit down, yeah. have a conversation and not just discussing with the media members present, but also yeah. the entire fan base. Like you said, Paul you know, we streamed it live on Mass mm-hmm. Nationals or Mass and Orioles, excuse me, uh, Facebook page, and um, tweeted it out and posted mm-hmm. all over the platform. The Orioles had it on their website. We had an hour. I mean, yeah. fans were engaged. We had a lot of great viewership. People were commenting along. Yeah. It was felt more like a conversation between ownership and GM. Yeah, and then also meet with the media and the fan base. All of Birdland. So that's why yeah. also it was a great day yeah. for Birdland in, in, in terms of, yeah, it's, we're, we're turning the page. Yeah. It's something, it's a brand new start, fresh start. Yes, it's going to take a while. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be frustrating at times, but that's just the way this process yeah. goes. And, and hopefully, and, and Mike Elias mentioned this and when he took, when he spoke today, it's like, it, it's going to be tough, yeah. but I, I've, I've seen it happen before. It works. If, yeah. you, if you trust this process that I, I, I did in, he didn't say this exactly, but you know, it, if you trust this process that I did in Houston, mm. it works. Right. And, and this can be a competitive club 
in a couple years and and with a number one overall draft pick. Yeah. Uh, he already alluded to that there's some good players already on this team that mm-hmm. can turn into stars. Um, so, yeah, it was an exciting day, I think, overall for, yeah. for from all parties. We know frustration has been building throughout the year because of the down year. And I think people wanted some – I think Orioles fans, and we can speak to it, wanted some kind of resolution to this. Um, you know, and they got it when um, – it was announced that Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter weren't going to be have their contracts renewed. That was the first kind of step in this. And I think people were frustrated that they weren't hearing anything. Not just that it was taking a long time, but they weren't uh, even getting very many reports about names being thrown out there. And I think for the Angelosis to come out today, and also the fact that they could have, uh, in a standard press conference, I think what they could have done is come out, given their speeches, and then just sat to the side and only, and left kind of Mike out right. there. To, that, that would be pretty standard. Yeah. I think that that would be acceptable. And they said, no, we're going to answer questions as well. And they took questions on everything from the Masson issue to uh, how ownership is working with, you know, the, the two of them and how they are taking control of the organization um, and I thought that was a, a, a smart move on their part. And it was a long press conference. A lot was covered. We're going to cover as much of it as we can. And Bobby, I'm glad you mentioned what Michael Elias said about the young stars on this team, because he had some very positive things to say about the current roster. Uh, without naming any names, he didn't really go in. The only one he touched on was Chris Davis, but we'll get to that at the end. He didn't name Cedric Mullins or Trey Mancini or anybody like that, but he did say... He was very impressed with the the guys that are already in this organization. He thinks some of them are going to be on the team when they're eventually competitive, that there's going to be some roster holdovers because they're that talented. Take a listen to what he said about the current Orioles roster. A lot of good players here. Um, there, um, uh, there are more coming. Uh, I'm, you know, from, as a scouting director, I'm familiar with uh, a lot of the players in the minor league system. Um, there are some future stars in the system. There's some really good pitchers. Um, and there's there's more than enough here to work with. And that's part of the attraction of, of this job to me is I, I know that there's, there's already players here that we're going to be able to lean on over the next few years and, and watch grow. It's pretty glowing, I would say. He's not looking quite yet to overhaul uh, that which has been brought in here. And he did say Dan Duquette, he thought, made the right moves making those trades at the deadline mm. to acquire the the, uh, the young prospects that they did. We'll see what he does with them, but it sounds like he's pretty impressed with what he's got in the system. Yeah, he's been in a scouting field for years now. Mm-hmm. He's not – obviously, he doesn't know this team top to bottom like some other people who have been around here for a while have, But yeah. he's, and he's still learning. So it would be kind of alarming, actually, if he came in and be like, yep, clean sweep, we're, we're getting yeah, rid of everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he recognizes there is some young talent here. They, they yep. made the right moves – we talked about it at nauseum on this podcast and people all over across the Baltimore media have talked about like all the trades that they made this off this season to gather all these top prospects. And, you know, he's going to do his due diligence and do some research and mm-hmm. evaluation of his own. He's going to tr- bring, well, first of all, he has to bring in his own people. He's going to yeah. bring in his own people who are then going to give him their evaluations and he's going to trust those people. And then they're going to make the big time decisions. Um, yeah, there is a lot of young talent here. Cedric Mullins is the top of the list right there. Uh, DJ, we saw DJ Stewart come yep. up and, and contribute. Um, you know, a lot of questions about the pitching staff, how they're going to approach that. So yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but you know, I, the Orioles aren't 
yes, they're the worst, they were the worst team in baseball this year, but it's not for a lack of complete talent. I mean, yeah. there there are some talented pieces here, um, and I, I would expect Mike Elias to do his due diligence. And he mentioned so much on his press conference that you know what we're we're gonna keep the guys who who can contribute. And I like that he mentioned you know the next playoff team the Orioles have. There's there's guys on this team right now yep. who are gonna be there. Yeah, that was something that uh, he definitely noted as well. There was so much, so much that he 40 talked minute about. 40-minute press conference or conversation, whatever you want to call it, 40 minutes of yeah. it. Uh, some of the interesting things he, he noted as well, they did answer a question about the autonomous nature of the position that he was inheriting, and he kind of danced around it a little bit, but they, it did kind of sound like, just from you know reading between the lines, that he's coming into this position knowing he's taking over the reins. He's got a lot of power. And, Bobby, you mentioned he's going to bring in his own people. Uh, and he's got a lot of people to replace in the scouting department from the bottom of the organization on up. Uh, and I think it was interesting to note that uh, that's kind of the the sentiment he mentioned. He said, that's what attracted me to the job. Basically, this is, you know, that's... Uh, I not only was were they interested in me, but I had to be interested in them. And I think that's that autonomous nature of the job is partly what brought him here. Right. And I also think that also ties back to the ownership group's new approach to yeah. all of this. I mean, they were asked, Mike Elias and the Angeloses were asked about, you know, how is he going to be able to move around in terms of money and, and the budget? And yeah. John Andros said, He's going to set his budget, meaning his payroll, mm-hmm. for the players and staff and such. And then the well, we as the ownership group yeah. are going to uh, incorporate that and, and give him the, all the resources necessary for him yeah. to do his job successfully. Uh, we're going, I mean, without saying this word for word, we're going all in on this. You know, kind of go back to uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Spare no expense. I spare no expense. <laughs> I mean, they're just going to, they understand and this, this comes back to the idea of this new transparency. They understand mm-hmm. that the, these, this is how you win baseball games nowadays. Yeah. You need to be able to – the general manager needs to be able to do what he feels is best. If you trust him enough to hire him yep. and also reports that he's now going to be the highest paid first GM ever in baseball yeah. history, <laughs> yeah. if you trust him enough to, and also going to pay him this enough, you got to give him full reign and give him the freedom to do what you brought him in to do. Yeah, the – Word that stuck out to me that John Angelos used was discreet. Ownership has a discreet role in uh, an organization, which is frankly not exactly the path that we've heard them take in recent not years. Not a word we've heard around here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it comes to the ownership group. You're it, correct. Exactly. So they're gonna they're gonna give him quite a lot of power, from what it sounds like. Uh, and he talked about uh, the uh, the other side of it is analytics. How much is that gonna factor in? Because he started as a player himself. Uh, was a lefty pitcher at Yale uh, and has experience in scouting. So he has experience in looking at guys and getting firsthand knowledge of these guys, but also came from an organization where they relied heavily on analytics, almost to a fault, the Astros did. Uh, and he kind of had some interesting things to say about that, basically that uh, it's a part of uh, the puzzle and you can't uh, you can't have an organization that doesn't use that kind of technology today. And he specifically mentioned it in terms of, uh, as well with the international signings, that he's somebody who has direct experience working with international markets um, and somebody who was head of international scouting uh, with the Astros. He said, all I have to do is pick up the phone. I already know all these people. I know all the agents. So he's expecting to not only, I think, add more of an analytics department, which is something they've lacked, but also to... um, 
increase their international uh, money and their resources. There. The phrase he used was not optional. It's not optional yeah, in today's yeah. game um, um, in terms of analytics and to a larger extent, the international market. Um, and yeah, and it's, and Paul, we've also talked about this before. You know, it's great to say we're going to use analytics or we're going to use all this information, right. but it's also how you use it. Exactly. Act, applying it correctly. And, and I, that the fact that Michael Elias not only mentioned that, yes, we're going to use all this advanced information as much as possible, but we're also going to apply it when necessary and in the right way mm-hmm. without being prompted. I think that was a major because he, he is a guy who understands. All right. This is how it works. He obviously saw how it works in Houston. Mm-hmm. This is how it's going to work. We, I've seen this process before. You, you can't just say we're using all these advanced statistics and analytics and numbers and stuff and then not know what to do with it. You know, you, yeah. you, you got to be able to use it properly in the right way to help your team win. Yeah. He understands that. That's what he's bringing to the table. And I, I honestly think that's probably a, a major factor as to why he was eventually picked because he does understand it. Yeah. He's a young, smart man and gets this how this number works. And we talked about guys like Ned Coletti and mm-hmm. other Older types, yeah. No offense, but the older types of people who are considered candidates, there's like, how much do they really understand these analytical numbers, yeah. and and not just understand them, but how do they apply them to yeah. today's game? And I think a huge factor in this is going to be the manager, because you you can use analytics to pick out players and to use it from a personnel standpoint, but it's a whole nother ball game to have players use analytics to fix their own game. And I think that's something that was hugely missing. I'm glad you mentioned that it's how you incorporate it. Because yeah. from everything we heard, Dan Duquette was interested in analytics. He, he, he made efforts in that department. But I think there was a big disconnect between using it with Buck Showalter and the players on the field and what they're doing in the front office. There has to be cohesion right. there. And the fact that Dan Duquette didn't pick Buck Showalter. It right. was the other way basically around. I mean, the ownership picked Dan Duquette after Buck Showalter was already in place. Right. Having a guy, Mike Elias, who's going to pick his own manager so that they know that they're going to be on the same page when it comes to everything, that's a huge, huge step. Yeah, and we've been talking about throughout this whole process. That That's a huge key. You know, this is the first hire you make. This is the first domino to fall. Yeah. Now he goes out and probably hires his assistant or assistant GM, whatever right. whatever the title may be. And then them those two together, along with the ownership group, mm-hmm. although it sounds like it's going to be mostly Michael Elias's pick, will then go hire the manager that they want. Yeah. It's like, like you said, someone who is going to come in here with the same idea that they have in terms of how to run the club, use this advanced information, um, not only use it, but also be able to develop players on the field. You can't yeah. just be like, oh, we got the statistics, we got the analytics, well, you'll be better. No, no, no. Still know how baseball works yeah. and the the mechanisms of the game, um, and yeah, I, I agree. I think the fact that they're going to be bringing in their own guy is going to be is going to be huge. There's going to be a, a solid line of communication between front office and the manager's office, and then through the players too, yeah. which is necessary, I think, in any organization, but especially when you're rebuilding top to bottom. And speaking of managers, he did answer some questions about who he might be interested in. He said. There's no cookie-cutter idea of who I'm looking for for a manager. Uh, I think he kept his mind open there. And he also said, much like the hire of him that the uh, ownership made, his hire of a manager is something that is going to take time. He's going to look over all of the options, and he's not going to rush. He said arbitrary dates. He's not worried about, I'm thinking in my head, winter meetings. He's not yeah. – nothing is – you know, he, he doesn't feel like he has a certain date he needs to hire somebody by. And that's what he said. Take a listen. The uh, process and the background work has already begun. Um, you know, I have a lot of 
contacts around the game, and I have uh, certainly already started um, tapping in to those networks, um, doing background work on candidates. Um, but uh, this this is an important hire, just like this was an important hire for them, um, and it's not something to rush uh, for the sake of meeting artificial dates in the wintertime. Um, we want to get the right person for our organization, for our front office, for us, um, for this time. And, um, you know, th these, are, these are thorough processes when you're talking about a, a job that big. So we are already working on it, but I do not have a specific timetable or date uh, at this time. So no clear idea of who he wants exactly. We've heard rumors, Joe Espada and others, uh, but he's, he is not going to let the clock dictate who he picks and when he picks them. Right. It's gonna Condoleezza be, Rice, maybe? That's, yeah, by the way, yeah, maybe. You never there. know. I mean, she's, well, she, apparently she has a couple other interviews that she needs to take care of first. Yeah, and she's so versatile, I feel like. Baseball, football. Yeah, college football. College football. Um, but, yeah, I think um, it'd be weird <laughs> if we go to Las Vegas for winter meetings and the Orioles don't have a manager. Yeah. But at the same time, you would kind of appreciate it because, all right, they're they're doing right. their work. They're well, doing their research. They yeah. they they understand the importance of this hire. They don't want to bring just any guy in. They want to bring the guy in. Yeah. And it's gonna be a tough position to fill, much like this was. I think the manager is probably more difficult to fill in a rebuild than the GM because the GM, you know, that's an important task. But it's almost like that's how you make your bread and butter as a GM is mm. in terms of building a club. Managing the club is a little different because you have to deal with the wins and losses every yeah. day. You have to deal with the grind of the baseball season and spring yeah. training. And, and um, you know, you have to deal with <laughs> the obligations of a manager, meeting with the media twice a day before and after every game. And then, you know, when you're losing 100-plus games for a couple <laughs> seasons in a row. Which could happen. It could happen, and it probably will. It yeah. gets exhausting. So, you know, that's going to be a little harder to fill, I think. But yeah. Again, it's hard to sell people on that kind of idea, right? I think. But you know, that's why you know, like 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 I said earlier, you know, they went the young route here in terms. Of Michael Elias again, only thirty five, about to turn yeah. thirty six. I wouldn't be surprised if Elias then turned around and did also did kind of a young a first time right. manager, a young guy, give a guy his opportunity. I think that's what's going to attract this position is going to attract a more younger, up and coming type manager than a guy who's been there. A guy who's been there is not going to yeah. want to do this. And for a manager, I, how important is a manager really for the winter meetings? I think that's oh no, you know, no they're I'm there. Just, no, yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying. I mean, we're used to you know we cover the orders and nationals. We're used to going to winter meetings. You know, you talk to the GM, you talk to yep. Both GMs, you talk in to their both hotel room. Each, ma each manager <laughs> speaks has to speak at least once in the winter meetings. Yeah, it'd be so weird if we don't have an Orioles manager to speak to. Yeah, what will we do without those interviews two feet away from their bathroom with crappy light in their hotel? I mean, those. Well, are that's <laughs> no, no, that's the GM. I mean, the yeah, managers, true, true. the managers talk in, in the in the main conference room. Yeah. Um, so that'd be so weird if you know we and usually the mass and we're up, we're at front and center. It'd be so mm. weird if we. Go see every other manager. So he's twenty nine managers, yep. but one. Um, but so, but yep. yeah, no, I, I don't. I mean, again, I don't think it'll be totally far fetched if they don't have a manager yeah. by then. It's just going to be we're accustomed to seeing yeah. one, and and Buck Showalter. Yeah, it's been Buck Showalter yeah, for the yeah, past exactly. six years. So, and not seeing one at all would be kind of kind of odd. And I do agree about. I think there'll probably be a younger guy who is looking to get uh, a good his foot in the door. I don't think anyone is going to, especially with managerial experience, is going to want to take a job that you know is going to take several years to at least see, you know, a playoff appearance probably. 
to really bear the fruit of this. Several playoff appearance. How about a winning record? Right. You, you know, yeah. five over above five hundred. It's going to take yeah several I, years. You you would think, and you know, guys like that, I think, are much less willing to bear the. They we're speaking generally, but bear the losses. And two, I mean, if it is a young guy, I do feel bad because. You're walking in, and your managerial record is going to start real low. It's going to be a long climb to get to get it back up to 500 for an overall record. So you better hope that you can stick in this job for a while because it's going to be hard to if you end up do leaving the team, selling another team on. Hey, I I know I was 200 games under 500, but uh, you know I, I did develop these guys. Yeah, I I don't I think. The guy who comes in is going to have to know what he's getting into, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the most important thing with this hire is going to be the communication between him and Elias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as they're on the same page and he, he understands what he's getting himself into, and look, this is the plan. Mike Elias, obviously, he's going to have a plan laid out. Here's what we're going to go after. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're looking to do. You're in or you're not. They'll find a guy. Yeah. And, but, yeah, I expect him to be a, a young person, a young bench coach type, I mean, yeah. or who, whoever else is out there with the mind for analytics and applying it to today's game. Yeah, and Joe Espada uh, is the Astros bench coach. I think that's why he's been linked to uh, the this hire and Michael Elias so much. Michael Elias did not put together, he wouldn't put together a name, mention any names, but yep. you got to figure Joe Espada's at the top of the list. He, he mentioned, you know, he said that I got a lot of connections in baseball, and he's already starting to work them yep. and to, to figure that out. All right, let's move on to... <laughs> The last question of the press conference asked by our very own Rakabako, and he put it so diplomatically. He said, look, I get this question all the time from fans. All my other beat reporters get the same question. Basically, we got to ask Chris Davis, what's the deal there? Um, And it was a great time to ask it because you had not only the GM, but you had the owners on the stage. So, you know, the GM can't defer to the owners and vice versa. But I thought it was a very telling moment. Because it was asked open-endedly that any of them could answer. And um, John Angelos turned uh, to Mike and said, I think this is a question for Mike. Which is interesting because the whole question is, if, if Mike Elias comes in here and he wants to get rid of Chris Davis, cut ties entirely, you would think he would have to talk to ownership about them swallowing the rest of Chris Davis's contract, which is massive and goes on until 2035. So... It appears, at least from maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the fact that he deferred to Mike, I think, was kind of a way of saying, whatever he decides, we'll talk about it. I don't know if he's, you know, saying he's going to totally submit to it, but basically he's saying Mike is having a say in this. We're, he's not coming in and we're saying, all right, we got to keep Chris Davis until we can trade him. So I thought that was an interesting moment. Yeah, yeah, it's $110 million left on his contract, according to Rockabaco. Uh, I agree. I think the fact that that was deflected to his mic is, yeah. is, is telling because it, it would have been – and, I mean, I can't imagine during this interview process this contract did not come up at all. <laughs> yeah. But it would have been – They said they spent like 60 hours with – It would have been interesting um, had they said, you know, you're coming in, we've got this whole rebuild, do whatever you want, but Chris Davis is untouchable. Yeah, we, exactly. You have to do – you have to swallow that. That's a tough sell. Because that contract obviously is not paying dividends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. The fact that Mr. Angelos was just like, you know what? That sounds like a question for the new GM. And yeah. just pass it along. Because up until this point, it has been... Um, it's been an ownership question. Ownership question yep. that hasn't been answered. Yep. So 
um, yeah, another telling part, and it just goes back to the transparency yeah. and and how we're kind of the doors are kind of opening to this Orioles franchise, and uh, yeah. a new light is shining through, and people are seeing what's going on. And also, it did kind of on the other flip side of things, kind of put Michael Elias on the spot in terms of having him answer for a guy that he may not even have met yet um, in Chris Davis and having a difficult situation that he's inheriting. Here's what he had to say about the Chris Davis situation. Uh, This team is at its best with a a productive Chris Davis, a dangerous Chris Davis in the middle of the lineup. So I want to see that happen. Um, You know, he had a, frustrating campaign this year uh, I think the chances are good of him bouncing back and improving upon that and I, I'm going to get involved in the work going into uh, his offseason work his preparation and any ideas new ideas or information that we can provide to him uh, to help him out um, we will we will do our best to do that so that that's my hope a productive Orioles team is one with Chris Davis producing well that's an interesting kind of take on that basically he he didn't he didn't close the door on Chris Davis by any stretch. Right. Um, but he did also didn't say Chris Davis is going to be back. We're going to make sure that he plays here. You know, he, he just said, "I'm going to try to get him to bounce back. I'm going to insert myself into that situation." Doesn't sound like, and it wasn't expected that they're going to cut ties with Chris Davis this off season when he's at the nadir of his value. Um, so it sounds like he's going to take a more active role, which is something we haven't really seen from uh, a, a GM side in the development and rehabilitation of Chris Davis. Yeah, and I, I agree with Michael. I mean, like I, I said this when this contract was first announced. Here's what you're get. Here's what you're getting. You're paying a lot of money for high strikeouts and the possibility for a lot of home runs. Yeah, the possibility. Now, obviously, that hasn't happened yeah. since 2015. Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating, obviously frustrating for Chris Davis too, but that's what you're getting with – this is the player you're getting. Yeah. Your high strikeouts, possibility of high home runs, and Michael Eyes understands that. So, yes, a productive Chris Davis in the middle of the lineup helps, especially in the American League because you can also DH him too. Yep. Um, if he if he's hitting – I mean, obviously he had a historically bad season this year, but if he's hitting around 250 but hitting 30-plus home runs a year, I think Orioles fans would take that. Yeah. Now, where he fits in terms of a rebuild – and I mean, because – you're bringing all this young talent. Um, you can also say that Chris Davis is now halting people's growth behind yeah. him because he's there at first base. And now guys like Trey Mancini, who's a first baseman naturally, can't grow um, in the position that he's accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, th- I liked what uh, Michael Elias said. You know, let's give him a chance. I mean, he kind of referenced the analytical data. You know, let's go back and look at it, see where maybe he can improve and try to have a better – off season, there's been a lot of reports, obviously, about his off season work and in season work in terms of trying to how he approaches the game, and it's just not working for him. Um, you know, it wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if you know Michael Ask goes to him, he's like, "Hey, this is what we're going to try. This is what we want to do with you, and to try to get you back on board." Kind of, kind of along the lines of their managerial search. Either in or you're out. Yeah. You know, this is what we want to do. Kind of buckle up and help us. Try to help yourself. Mm-hmm. Help us help you, <laughs> yep. or or don't, and we'll 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 go another route. Right, and it will remain to be seen whether that route ends up having to be taken, and if they will end up taking that route, that being cutting ties with him and swallowing the money that he is owed. It's going to be interesting and fascinating to watch. But Bobby, I think overall, 
impressions just to wrap this up of Mike Elias. Very impressive. I, I was very impressed. Um, I mean, I, he's, he's well-spoken, speaks very well, very good at articulating his ideas. That's something that people said about him coming in. There was an article in the Baltimore Sun where this week about him and his mentor, Dan Kantrovitz, who is now with the Oakland Athletics, saying he has an air of gravitas. Mm. That, yeah. I and like that word. Basically that as even as a young scout, when he was first getting into scouting, that he would say something and older scouts would listen because of the way he was able to articulate his ideas. And that's something that takes time, but he was ahead of his time uh, in that self-awareness, that, that uh, ability to articulate and speak his ideas. And I thought that was interesting. And that's something he conveyed. I thought, and we want to hear what you think. I thought he had a great first impression, City of Baltimore. I thought it was great to see both Angeloses there introducing him. It's the start of something new, new day in Baltimore. Uh, pretty cool setup, I will say, in the clubhouse yep. with the chairs and the lights and everything. I was uh, very impressed with that, whoever did the set design for that, uh, and very impressed with Mike Elias. It's a, it's a long road ahead, but it feels a little bit better knowing that there's a, a competent guy at the helm. Yeah, he's got, obviously got it together. We talked about at the top of the show about his resume is off the charts. He's qualified mm-hmm. beyond. I mean, uh, he's well put together. He, he, but he's also groomed. He was also groomed for this, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, the position he had in Houston, that this is what he was working toward. Yeah. A, a, a position like this with some other club. So yeah, his time has finally come. Let's see what he's got. And um, uh, impressive and exciting. I think, yep. considering how awful this season was for the <laughs> Orioles. A glimmer of hope. Yeah, it's an exciting time, and, and I also liked what uh, Lou Angelo said about like, "Hey, the fans, you know, get on board with this. You know, this is yeah. to an extent, this is what you asked for. Yep, and we're giving it to you. So get on board, come out, come join us at Oriole Park next season. Yeah, go to spring training, see the fruits of this labor come come to fruition, um, because it, you know it could be fun. Yeah, it could be fun. It's an exciting time. Rebuilds." Uh, have this negative connotation to them, but they can still be fun. I mean, we saw it turned out well in Houston, Yep. so why not Baltimore? Exactly, and there's plenty to come in the coming weeks. Who's he going to look at for manager? What they're gonna, the Orioles are going to do, if anything, at the winter meetings, whether they'll pursue any free agents, any veterans, whether they'll pick up or whether they, they will tender contracts to guys like Tim Beckham and Caleb Joseph. There's some interesting decisions await Mike Elias. He's got a protect guys from the Rule 5 draft starting yeah. on Tuesday. So, True. yeah, he's got gear. He went straight from the introductory press conference to uh, AMA on Reddit to, yeah, yeah. to straight to the office for work. True. He's got he's got work to do um, yeah. first day on the job. I did not sign into that AMA. Did you? I, I was scanning for a little bit. Thoughtful, thoughtful responses. Okay. I mean, not just one-word blips. Giving paragraphs worth of responses. So he's already reaching out to fans and trolls. taking their questions. Um, I didn't see him answering any troll questions, but if you answer a troll question, that's what you get. <laughs> that you get troll. Uh, that's exactly what happens. Please don't troll us. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Find our podcast anywhere. You can find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. I think they changed the name of that, Bobby. Didn't they change Google Play? Did, did they? No, they get on top of that. I'm not, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I've been focusing on our SoundCloud and Apple Podcast numbers. They're solid numbers. Thank you to yes. all who have been listening this off season and continue listening. Yep. Also off season long, especially with the winter meetings coming up. We'll also be uh, at the uh, Orioles Fan Fest in January. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, exciting time yeah. for Orioles. Finally, excitement. Um, at Bobby underscore Blanco, at Paul Mayancano, give us a follow. Let us know what you think of Michael Elias hiring and any other future moves coming this offseason. Christmas music starts Friday. Thanksgiving's Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks. Enjoy your holidays.